Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. And I'm Oshin, recording from Ljubljana in Slovenia. Back in Slovenia. Back to my second home. Got here last night after a weekend in Budapest, meeting up with some friends. And yeah, it feels good to be back. Going to be here for a few months, so it's nice to have a base again for a few months. I feel like I had that in Vancouver. And then when I went to Ireland, everything always, its I mean, it's kind of contradictory because it's where I'm from, but it's the one place where I go and spend time where I end up feeling like the least settled because I spend so much time like going to see different friends and different family and just staying in different places. So yeah, I'm glad to be back here in Slovenia and, and stay in put for a while. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we moved into our new house about a month ago, so I've been unpacking boxes and settling in. And I'm currently in my, uh, I made like a little podcasting den for myself with a blanket over my head because everything is so echoey still because we don't have any rugs or anything. <laughs> well, it sounds okay to me right now anyway, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> we have a raccoon living underneath our deck. I saw it climb in there because I'm down in the basement and there's a little window here and I can just see it climb in. So <laughs> I, I said this on Twitter, but I read that you can, one way to discourage them is to like play a radio pretty loud nearby because they they don't like the sound of people talking because it's scary or whatever okay um so i decided that i knew a way to provide the sound of people talking and dug out an old iphone 5 and set up castro with like a hundred episodes of pod save america and then <laughs> threw, it, threw it underneath the deck and hit play and it's been just going for about I, ch- I checked in on it this morning. It's been playing for about 48 hours. <laughs> I don't know if the raccoon is still there or if it has some very uh, weird, uh, rich Democrat views. <laughs> is it plugged in or is the battery life of Castro way better than I expected? Uh, no, I plugged. I got an extension cable and plugged it in. So it's just going and going. <laughs> I've never actually done a test with um, Castro playing continuously for that long. So it's a good way to see if there's any memory leaks or anything. <laughs> Pretty good stress test, right? Yeah. And if it gets rid of the raccoon, I don't know, we should add that to like our app store description or something just as a as a feature. Yeah, that's a good way to diversify the user base, I think. Are there a lot of raccoons around there as well? Because if you, they actually just end up liking it, I mean, maybe we could like reach out and start selling subscriptions to raccoons. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> we might need to mix up the uh, the playlist a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we can talk a little bit about subscriber numbers and stuff, but when we're talking about subscriber numbers today, just to let you know, we're talking about human subscribers, no ra- no official raccoon subscribers yet, but there are some human ones at least. Yeah, yeah, we do have some human subscribers. I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. About a year or a year and a half ago, we had an episode where we talked about a doom clock, which was our countdown of... It was basically a way of measuring our cash flow from sales of Castro when it was a paid upfront app against our costs of how, like paying ourselves a salary and paying for servers and stuff and figuring out a date when the, that line would be crossed and we'd either stop being paid or something would break. Um, now that we have subscribers, the numbers that are important have changed a little bit because hopefully they're renewing subscribers. So it's not so much about getting having a big launch and making a big pile of money initially, and then hopefully having another launch before that pile runs out. It's now more about building up a renewing subscriber base. So, Oshin, you took a look at reworking that spreadsheet to better represent that uh, new reality that we're in. 
Um, yeah, I started off by calling it Doom Clock 2, but then I realized it wasn't really so much. <laughs> yeah, there really was quite a different approach. So it now has the more boring name of uh, subscriber projections. We really need to come up with something catchier for that because Doom Clock was a nice name for a podcast episode as well. Yeah, subscriber projections will not be the name of this episode, I don't think. But yeah, so it's counting, it's more counting up to the amount of subscribers that we need to be sustainable than it is like counting down our bank balance. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we started out with the number of subscribers that we want eventually. And then I think even just in terms of motivation and stuff, we realized that it was probably going to be good for us to have some kind of intermediate uh, goals. Um, so, I mean, I think ideally, eventually we'd like to get to a point where we can have like 20,000 paying subscribers. I think at that point, we both would be able to be paid quite comfortably. Um, we could stop worrying about the stress of the business side of things so much. I mean, not that I'm sure it'll probably always be there in some way. Our, our goals will move as as things get better. But so, yeah, we're now, instead of just focusing on the 20,000, which is a more long-term goal, we have a goal in there for to see, like, when can we get to 10,000 paying subscribers? And hopefully we can get there by the end of this year, but it's far from a certainty. Um, and, I mean, I think kind of realizing that, I mean, has kind of brought up some stuff for kind of, we talked in the last episode about, like, kind of, like, launch day blues and how you feel, like, kind of after after launching a new thing. Um, I feel like some of that has kind of like stuck around a little bit longer this time. And as things have settled down, I mean, obviously we're, we're delighted with the thousands of subscribers that we do have, but I mean, things have settled down and it, it's, it is going to be difficult for us to get to that 10,000 this year. So, and if we don't, I mean, that's, yeah, we're going to have to change up some things. We're going to have to figure out exactly like what we can do to, to get there because it's kind of important for us in terms of um, eating and things like that. <laughs> and paying for people to remove the raccoon when my podcast approach fails <laughs> you mentioned about uh, post-launch blues i was definitely feeling that way for longer than usual after this one and we we chatted about it a little bit um and yeah i think we came to a few there was one particular epiphany that clarified a lot of stuff for me that i think i hadn't thought about in a long time but makes a lot of sense and that was that like all of castro 3 was pretty much catch-up features like i'm i'm really happy with how well we did some of the features like the chapters are cool the new player screen is good blah 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 not don't need to resell the whole app but um i'm i'm proud of what we did but none of it was our original ideas except for i guess the mix to mono which is a cool feature but you don't need it that often so there was a kind of a realization there that our roadmap is being determined far too much by like the iOS features that Apple announces that we want to integrate or just users who want us to implement features that are in some other podcast app. And so even the after Castro 3, all the things we had planned to do next, they all match that description too. And I think we could have spent another year just implementing Nothing original that someone hadn't done before in a podcast app, just like the same things that other apps have and none of our own ideas. And once we had that realization, I think, yeah, it just hit me that that's, it didn't really start making a podcast app so that we could do what was obvious. What did you think of that stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of this, like say when we look at these numbers or when we look at these projections, I mean, a lot of it is about motivation um, or a lot of it was just kind of wanting to like keep enough track on things that we know we're not like going down like a dead end with this stuff. Um, so, I mean, one thing that I have liked about like switch to subscription is that like kind of just kind of just an overall sense of like that we're moving towards a target uh, rather than just counting down the balance that's in our bank account right now. The road towards that, I guess, still does feel a bit long. So then it's the question of like, okay, well, how do we get ourselves down that road? And I don't just mean financially. I mean, we've always had to deal with like certain financial things and we've always figured out a way and like we we will this time too and we will like we'll deal with that and we'll get there. But a big part of like what keeps us going down these roads or what has us still making a podcast that five years after we started making the first version of Castro is the motivation that we felt to do that, the satisfaction we've got out of the work that we do on it Um I mean, we've always said that we know if we just went and got jobs as iOS developers in a company somewhere, obviously we could make more money than we do now. Uh, but that's never been like our primary motivation. I mean, as long as we can get to a point where we're comfortable, it's not just about making the absolute maximum amount of money. It's about having a lifestyle that we enjoy, being able to have a bit of flexibility with our schedule and things like that. And I guess all the advantages of of being indie. But if your day to if our day to day work isn't giving us the satisfaction that it needs, then what, then, I mean, what is the point? I mean, we need to be able to maintain a level of motivation, a level of satisfaction with our work that, that makes it all worthwhile, you know? Um, and yeah, we definitely with Castro tree, I don't think it even really occurred to me so much at the time with Castro tree that, oh yeah, we're like, I, I don't, think I remember ever getting fed up of like working on features that weren't completely new to us. I mean, I guess it felt like, yeah, we, we definitely had a, our own spin that we could take on things. And there was like certain design challenges and things like that to keep it interesting. And there was such a focus in my mind as well at the time on subscription and on getting that right. And so I was like very engaged kind of in terms of like business strategy and stuff like that. But then as it settles down to like, okay, where it is now and like we look on the, on the road forward, it definitely, I think I realized um, at the same time as you that like my motivation was kind of dropping off a bit. I wasn't excited to go and like work on like a bunch more catch up features again after like, after already having done that for six months. Um, so I think it's going to be good if we can, if we can re- redraw that roadmap in a way, in a sense, and just as a way to get us back working on interesting things, get us like launching stuff that isn't just, okay, yeah, Castro now has this as well as the, as other apps that also already have it, that it's some new stuff that's, that we get to take our own take on and that isn't in other apps right now. Yeah. That's kind of a very long winded way of kind of repeating what you just said, but I, I think there maybe was something else in there too. <laughs> yeah. There'll always be people in the crowd who are shouting to get you to play Freebird. And maybe once in a while you play Freebird, but like you definitely need to to compare myself to some kind of famous rock star. We definitely need to be able to do our own stuff or else it's just like we don't we don't just want to be a cover band. And yeah, all the motivation just goes away when you're just doing stuff that feels completely obvious. So yeah, that's one big part of the like the motivation and I think there's an easy fix for that and that's to like start listening to our own ideas again and start uh working more towards implementing some innovative new things that haven't been done before in podcasts. Uh so I'm pretty excited to start really getting into that. 
And so some future version of Castro will have things that aren't just catch-up features, and it won't be like, finally, Castro does blah. It'll be, Castro does something kind of weird. I don't know why anyone would want this. <laughs> <laughs> Until you realize exactly why. Yeah. And the whole world uses Castro. <laughs> <laughs> and as well, as we've made the transition into subscription, we've done it in a very uh, light touch way where we don't really push free users into subscribing. Uh, we've talked to people who didn't even realize there was a subscription option because they just they didn't look in settings and they didn't hit those features. Uh, which is fine, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get through the transition smoothly, but like as we go forward, we want there to be things that people actively seek out, not just like, oh, okay, this seems like a cool app. I guess I'll pay the money so that I can have Trim Silence. Like we want there to be actual enthusiastic reasons to go and seek out Castro and then pay for Castro Plus. That's been like the whole motivation piece, and then there's also this extra thing that's kind of eating into that, where like the app is free now. Each extra user has some tiny extra cost, and it's like support is a not big just part money, of right? <laughs> no, like not. I just mean like take some time away f- from us just getting to play with fun apps all the time. <laughs> so support is a big thing, and our support queue got really huge there. Um, and we've we can talk about the things we've done to try to deal with that. S- since but just to wrap up this point quickly there's tons more support to do it's not just like instead of 20 people emailing you about issue x there's 40 people emailing you it's also that because there's a much wider group of people using it they're finding more obscure things uh that are wrong it's not like you can just power through answering the same email 50 times like you have to actually think about new things that you weren't thinking about before it's more than support though there's a million little things that take time away like a feeling like we have to do much more businessy stuff. I mean, the marketing side of things. I mean, even, I mean, I guess one thing that even just feeling like, oh, maybe something that we should do is start trying to podcast more, which I mean, we'll hopefully we will manage to do that. But I, I know that when we did start talking about that, that like one of the, my hesitations to do that was that like, because we've spent so much time, I mean, maybe it's more than we had to, or maybe it's like just down to what our skill set is and stuff, but we've spent quite a lot of time like editing this podcast after each time that we would record it um like it would always take at least a half a day for one of us to go through and and kind of get all that stuff sorted and then publish it and get it out and and so yeah just kind of a sense of like want known that we have some like responsibilities in terms of like make making the podcast i don't mean that we are responsible necessarily to our dear listeners but it's like a responsibility to ourselves to be like making sure that we're like I don't know, being active, engaging, putting some stuff out there that hopefully some people want to listen to for increasing our chances of like having a listener base and having people engaged enough to like listen to us. And we talked about how valuable it felt to us at the time of launch that we had had this podcast and that people were repeating ideas that we had said on the podcast um, in public forums and stuff about the switch to subscription. I don't need to go too much back into that, but lots to do and not enough time to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And yet, so far we've bootstrapped Supertop. It's all just been like our own savings and our own time going into it. And this, the last few weeks is the first time it's felt like there might be some ceiling there of how much you can do with just like two people giving it their own time before you start like being overrun by, well, for example, answering support email at the expense of fixing the bugs that they're emailing you about. And yeah, I've never felt like that before that we just didn't have enough time to do everything that needed to happen. 
But yeah, so we've we've tried to address some of those things. Uh, first of all, for support, we've uh, talked to a company called Aptfolk, and we've got a guy named Chuck Morris helping us out, who goes through our inbox and does the initial triage of uh, understanding what the issue is. And if it's a bug for us to fix, he'll enter it into our bug tracker, and he can follow up on the initial things um, or assign the issue to us for escalation. And that's really helped with like keeping on top of the like, I don't know, hundreds of new emails every week. Yeah, no, it's been great because that backlog had gotten pretty out of control. It was a bit a bit daunting. I mean, I didn't, I kind of just didn't even want to open up Help Scout. Like, yeah, just uh, it just seemed like I didn't know how we were going to get back on top of it. And uh, yeah, if you've emailed us recently, uh, well, if you emailed us. A few weeks ago, there's a chance you didn't hear from us for a while. If you emailed us in the past week, there's a good chance that you've heard from Chuck. And uh, yeah, it's great to it's great to have his help with that. Yeah, so hopefully now we may actually be able to provide email support on a consistent basis instead of it being. I think before we would let it group up a little bit, and then we'd answer answer a bunch at once, which worked worked okay. But often people were disappointed with that. Now that we have a subscription app, I feel more like people who are subscribing are entitled to a response. But at the same time, I don't just want to box off only subscribers get support because like, I want free users to see that the app is well-maintained and that to feed into their decision to become subscribers. At the same time, as all our support is increasing hugely, it's also become a more important, I think. Because before, like, like it or not, with a paid app, paid upfront app you've already paid for it every penny we spend like or every second we spend trying to answer support emails when it's paid up front is like money we're losing so now that's kind of flipped on its head a bit and we actually have an incentive to try and be much better about that stuff so so yeah i want to try to be and so far chuck has been awesome at getting back to everyone quickly and uh letting us know when there are serious things to follow up on yeah, we definitely always wanted to offer some level of support. I mean, I mean, there's always the option. I mean, we could just like not have the button to do that in the app or we could make it more difficult or stuff, but, or we could just not even have a email address if we wanted. But I mean, it always, even in the case when it was a paid upfront app, I think we still always felt like that it was something that we wanted to be able to offer to people. Um, yeah. And for all those reasons that you just said, it feels even more important to me now, um, whether in terms of keeping subscribers happy or in terms of, of convincing people to become subscribers. Um, but with the level that it had gotten to, I, I don't think we could have, I don't basically don't think we could have done this without, without getting some help. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we kind of came to this arrangement with apt folk and yeah, long may it last. Yeah. And then at the same time we got, we asked a few people to recommend uh, podcast editors so that we could obviously, as you know, I still have to record the podcast, but you know, we're mainly developers and designers. So us trying to also be audio engineers, well, I like we were able to get episodes together, but I don't know if we were doing a good job and we certainly weren't doing an efficient job. It was taking far too much time. So I think you asked uh, Mike Hurley to recommend somebody, right? Yeah. And he got back to he, straight away. He got back to me and recommended uh, Jim Metzendorf, who I think has edits a bunch of stuff for Relay as well. Um, and yeah, I shot Jim an email so we got in touch with Jim and he, yeah, he was ready to jump on board, did that episode for us and we'll be sending him this one today. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah, when you think about how much time we were spending editing episodes ourselves, it's a really obviously good idea to get some help with this stuff, I think. It's a much more efficient use of our time. And between that and having help with answering support email, I think we're going to have a lot more space to focus on Castro itself, which is pretty exciting. And then the other part is making sure to include our own ideas in the roadmap in future will keep us much more motivated than just following what other people are doing or following Apple's roadmap. Okay, let's wrap this one up so we can get back to working on brand new features that no one else has. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get to work and hopefully guys will be with you again soon. And uh, yeah, take care. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.